Welcome to the MMF Global Podcast, a series of thought-provoking and insightful online talks by innovators and leaders from all corners of the world and industry, presented by the Master of Mathematical Finance Program at the University of Toronto. In this episode, we'll hear from MMF alumni Pinar Kolak, data scientist at Amazon, as she discusses her journey from Turkey to MMF in Toronto to Amazon in Seattle in a conversation moderated by MMF Program Director Luis Seco. Welcome to our second event in the MMF Global Series, organized by the Masters in Mathematical Finance Program at the University of Toronto. Here, we invite individuals with inspiring careers who serve as role models to all of us to tell us what they see and what they do. Today, we feature Pinar Kolak, graduate from MMF and a data scientist at Amazon. She will tell us how she made that journey. They say that most young people today will work in jobs that do not yet exist. I wonder if Pinar knew where she would end up. I guess we'll hear that from her. So Pinar, you're all yours. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Professor Seko, for that introduction. And hi, everyone. Uh, as you heard, uh, my name is uh, Pinar Kolak, and I am one of the uh, MMF 2013 alumni. And it's so hard to believe that it has been seven years already. Uh, and I am currently an applied scientist at Amazon, and I have been uh, working um, here a little over um, sorry, three and a half years now. So a few months ago, uh, Professor Seiko reached out to me and asked uh, if I would be interested in giving a talk uh, at this new initiative they uh, this new initiative they started called uh, Global MMF. And I was, to be honest, very doubtful if I'm the right choice because I don't even do finance anymore. Uh, but then Professor Seiko said that, well, yeah, that's exactly what we, you, we would like you to give a talk uh, so that they can maybe you can uh, give a different perspective, like uh, and uh, give give the, the folks an open mind about the opportunities that might happen after graduation. Then I said, yeah, like then, yeah, I would be very interested. So um, uh, I was in, and then I heard uh, Allison's talk. I, I think it was about a month ago, and that was a really good talk. Uh, so I know that the bar is really really high. Uh, but yeah, and, and that made me nervous, uh, but I talked to Josie and I told her that I would like to give a more casual talk and she said that's perfectly okay. So as a heads up, this will be a much more casual talk. I basically uh, would like to share my journey with you and hoping that that will bring you a different perspective to the options that you might have after, the, after your graduation. So this talk has essentially two parts. Uh, the first part is about my journey uh, uh, regarding my academic background, my path to MMF and slightly uh, uh, the timeline around MMF. And then the second part is my relocation to Seattle uh, and finding a job at Amazon. So the reason I wanted to talk about my, uh, the, the I, I would like to cover the history before MMF is that uh, so that you can have a better idea about my experiences and how they shape my decisions uh, in the future. And I'll, I'll try to keep that part fairly short so we can focus on the second part a bit more. Uh, so I am originally from Turkey and I did my bachelor's in math in, in Turkey. And after that, I moved to Canada with my husband, back then my boyfriend uh, for my graduate studies. I did my master's and PhD degree also in math and, and pure math to be specific. Um, and 
uh, what uh, my as you can see, my initial uh, goal was to become an academician. I find an academic job at the university, uh, so that that was my intention when I started. And um, on the third year of my PhD degree, uh, my husband and I moved to Toronto because he got a, uh, he got an offer from the PhD program uh, uh, at U University of Toronto uh, in bioinformatics or computer science. So I continu continued my studies uh, from Toronto for the PhD. But towards the end of my PhD studies, uh, even though I had a postdoc offer from a, a professor in, uh, in a university in Berlin, uh, I, I had my concerns regarding that. Uh, and uh, it had, uh, had different, um, uh, I, I had different concerns. So the first one being uh, seeing these other folks who graduated from the same program as me uh, and before me, and they kept doing postdoc after postdoc and they couldn't find an academic job. Uh, it was such a painful uh, process. And I didn't feel like I was ready for that sacrifice even though I enjoyed uh, uh, studying math. The second uh, portion was that I enjoyed working on uh, very, uh, these challenging abstract problems, but I didn't enjoy writing papers, submit them, submitting them to journals or, uh, um, uh, getting to know people at these uh, conferences, like that wasn't the part that I enjoyed much. I, I just wanted to move on to the next problem and just like keep solving things. Uh, and then the third part was that uh, whatever I was studying, it was very abstract. It had no applications um, and it was very difficult to explain people what I'm doing. And that can be really frustrating. People used to ask me, oh, like, what do you study? I, I would say, I, I do my PhD in math. And they would say, oh, what is it about? Like, what, what are you studying? And that was the dread question that I dreaded the most because it was so difficult to explain what I was doing. Again, it had no applications. So I would try to just brush off saying that, oh, it just has no applications. Like it's lots of uh, mathematical formula. Like uh, just, uh, I don't think our time works that much. Uh, some people would be okay with that. They would leave it there if I was lucky, but some people would really insist that I go into details. And that was, um, that would become really awkward very quickly, but me sweating, trying to explain things in mathematical jar jargon and trying to uh, explain things in different analogies. And then the person asking question, starting to regret asking it in the first place because they, they can't follow up. And like, why did I ask this? Like, and I have to listen to this. Uh, so it would get very awkward very quickly. Uh, so yeah, as you can see, like I, I started having these concerns and uh, I started thinking that maybe I should do something that has real life uh, applications, uh, some, something more tangible, like I can show that, uh, that I did this. Uh, so I started doing some research about some options, like what type of industry uh, works that is available for me. And after talking to some also folks who uh, switched from math to finance, I, I felt like finance could be it. Like it is enough mathematically challenging and it's, uh, it has real life uh, um, uh, solutions. There's so many job opportunities in Toronto. So I felt like, okay, this could be it. Uh, so I started studying a bit all by myself, uh, basically Hall's uh, famous book. Um, and as I was working on my thesis, uh, but I wasn't able to get, get any help from anyone for the questions that I had. The progress was so slow. Uh, I felt like I was getting the intuition, but I didn't, get the theory very fully or didn't have any practical information or experience. And I even uh, interviewed with a company back then, thanks to a friend. Um, and it was very easy to tell that I wasn't ready by the first round of questions. And, and, and they were so nice, nice about it. Like they didn't make me feel bad. 
uh, and they told me that if I applied maybe five years ago, uh, they would probably accept me just because of my science PhD. Uh, because back then people used to hire PhDs in science and train them on the job. But now things changed quite a bit. Now everybody, uh, like there's a surplus of people who are trained already. So they expect you to know things before coming in for a job interview. Uh, so after realizing that, okay, I said, I, I just need to get some professional training. So Q, uh, Q and MMF. Uh, so I applied MMF and got acceptance. And then there were um, four, I guess, different areas where I applied that MMF was uh, one, uh, just to get the professional training I needed. Second, the networking opportunities. Third, the, um, the opportunities I could have uh, in terms of finding a job. And then fourth, the internship portion of things, uh, which could be uh, a job offer uh, all by itself, but also so that I could get some real uh, job experience. So um, the program, as many alumni, for, uh, alumni can attest to it, is, was very intensive. Uh, it was very intensive 12 months, but I also had lots of fun. Like I, I enjoyed uh, every bit of it. it, it uh, I, we had great friendships and it, it worked out pretty well. Like I was very, very happy with it. And I did my internship at Menolife with the model validation team. Uh, and they also gave me a job offer uh, towards the end of that. Uh, so I started working for them uh, right after my graduation and I worked with them about uh, three years. So this is the uh, end of the first part, uh, all leading to this job uh, at Menolife, which was going fine as a quantitative analyst. So I, I, I would like to move on to the second part, before, but before that, I uh, also would like to give some information about my husband. And you might ask like, why, why about husband? But that will be very clear soon. So my, as, as I mentioned earlier, my husband's background was in computer science in PhD and uh, specifically in bioinformatics. So bioinformatics is the intersection of statistics, uh, biology and machine learning or data science, uh, if, if you wanna make it a bit more uh, abroad. And um, back then he was working on things like protein to protein uh, interactions, how they lead to or like affect diabetes or cancer. And that was, fairly fascinating to me. I, I was, uh, I found that very interesting, like how can they, how they can deduce information based on the patterns in the data and just write an algorithm that can do it for you because it's not scalable for humans. So the computer can do it. So that was very interesting to me. I, I was very fascinated. So after his PhD, he applied many jobs, mostly in US because there wasn't many opportunities back in Canada. And one of the jobs uh, that he got an offer was from actual Amazon uh, in a, a transaction uh, fraud uh, related team. And um, considering other locations like I think New York and San Francisco were among them, uh, we felt like Seattle fits to our lifestyle a bit better. Uh, so we decided to uh, uh, move there. So he moved there in uh, 2015, June. But uh, you see, I, on the other hand, just got a promotion as a manager and I didn't want to leave my job right away. I, I just wanted to get more experience as a manager at Manolife. Uh, so I talked to my uh, manager and my teammates uh, and see if it is feasible for me to work from the west end of the country. Uh, and then it was uh, uh, clear that it would be okay if I worked from Victoria or Vancouver, that's closer to Seattle, but I wasn't able to move to US uh, because, because of visa and tax implications. So I had to stay in Canada. 
So I moved to, uh, in September of that year, I moved to Victoria first for four months and then to Vancouver for another six months uh, so that I could um, visit Seattle fairly often, but also keep my job uh, in the meanwhile. So in this, during that uh, time frame, I also started looking at jobs in Seattle because like, looks like we, are, we will be living in, living in Seattle. So I need to get a job. Uh, the problem is, the problem here is that there are not that many finance companies. Uh, so that means there are not that many finance jobs in Seattle. Um, uh, so like I was looking for jobs in different platforms but I wasn't coming across too many of them. And the ones that I applied for, I had, a, had visa issues uh, in this sense. So as you see, I, I, I am a Canadian citizen. So if I get a, a job offer from a US company, I can apply for TN visa, and that's very easy for me to get thanks to the NAFTA agreement between Canada and US. But the finance companies are here, uh, the, the ones here are very small and they don't know these different visa types. So I would talk to the HR, uh, so the HR would take notes like what's your um, uh, experience, what's your compensation you are thinking of. Uh, can you work in US? Do you have legal visa status or any, any status? I would say, yeah, like I don't have it now, but if I have an offer, it's so easy for me to get. And they would say, uh-huh, uh-huh, and to keep taking notes, but uh, it was very apparent that they had their doubts and I wouldn't hear back from them. Like the, the whole conversation would be over there. I, I just, I couldn't move on to the phone interview even, it, it was so tough. Um, so uh, I, I started thinking that, okay, it looks like I don't have much uh, future in finance in Seattle, so I, I should maybe look into some other things. And remember my fascination about my husband's uh, whole like uh, work in machine learning. So my husband and I, we sat down and talked about in detail if, I, if it's feasible for me to become a data scientist or machine learning uh, scientist. Uh, Seattle, uh, as you might already know, is a tech heaven, uh, and data science back then, this is like 2015, was super hot uh, topic. Everybody was looking for data scientists. And he said that it's so easy for you to get this uh, under your belt uh, because you already have the math mathematical background. So I said, okay, let's, let's give this a try. So as I was working from Canada, I started also studying um, uh, data science from books and now, thanks to my husband, I was able to get answers to my questions. We could go into very detailed discussions if I didn't understand something. But again, I was still lacking the practical information. I, I, wasn't, I didn't have any projects to work on, so I, I, I didn't have that part. The, the theory was uh, like I was book smart, but I didn't have the, the actual uh, practice, practical information. Uh, so I started, I, I even interviewed a job at Amazon back then, I remember now, uh, and uh, that, again, like that didn't go well because I didn't know the rule of thumbs and things like those uh, that I needed. Um, so I ended up doing some research and uh, there is this program called Galvanize in Seattle that offers few programs and one of them is the Data Science Immersive Program, uh, which is a 12-week program teaching you statistics, uh, Python, and some other like data science related algorithms. Uh, so I decided to do that. So in May, 2016, I quit my job, uh, moved to Seattle and started this program right away. Uh, and it was very intense 12 weeks, but I was already pretty uh, experienced from MMF the, to the level of intensity. So it was peanuts, it, it wasn't too bad. And uh, it was lots of fun. And at the beginning of this program, like I, right after I started, I think a month later, some friends in Toronto, they reached out to me and my husband saying that they have a new startup uh, that they are doing uh, data science called Visor. 
and they are looking for some help uh, with their model development. So I joined them as a more like a consultant and I helped them to develop uh, some models while I was doing the program. So that was great experience. And towards the end of the program, uh, a recruiter from Amazon reached out to me. I think they found me via LinkedIn uh, regarding a research scientist position. Um, I, I was super excited. Uh, so I met the hiring manager over coffee. We talked about the role, my experiences, if it would be a good fit. So this team uh, was called, uh, I think it's called Community Trust back then, uh, and they did review reviews. So what they did was when you go to the Amazon website, you'll see any, any products that most of them have some reviews on, at the bottom. Uh, many people uh, look at those to make a decision to buy the product or not, like if it fits to their needs. Um, so, but there are also lots of bad actors who are trying to deceive people, fool people, uh, thinking that it's a good product by leaving unauthentic reviews or sometimes use bots to write those reviews. So they were trying to catch these bad actors by using uh, machine learning models. So that was super interesting to me. So I said, yeah, like I would be very interested. And he even waived the phone interview for me. So I went directly to the on-site um, and I felt like the interview went well, uh, but I didn't get an offer at the end. Uh, and I, I was super bummed because it sounded like a nice opportunity. Uh, and now looking, I, I think they thought that I need to, to do season a bit more, like get a bit more uh, life uh, or, or experience in data science. And now looking at my answers to their questions, uh, I can say that it was a fair decision. Like uh, I didn't do that great. Like back then I felt like, oh, it went pretty well. And now looking at it, no, like I, I didn't answer the questions as I was supposed to. So anyways, uh, so I continued uh, my, uh, my I, I continued uh, staying at the data science program as a teaching assistant for the next cohort. So another 12 weeks. And also I continued my consultant job with Visor. And uh, one thing to note here is that I was also pregnant uh, with our first kids uh, that was due uh, in early December. So before the teaching assistantship uh, job ended, I was trying to find a job. Like I was so persistent, like I, I, I need to find something now because I knew that once the baby uh, comes, uh, it would be so exhausting for me to find, look for something. I wouldn't have enough time to study or refresh things. So I, I said like, I need to find something now like or, or it's not gonna happen soon. So I was applying jobs, uh, anything I could find. Uh, I was going for phone interviews, uh, on-site interviews, or even video conferencing, uh, like left and right. And to be perfectly honest, I even applied to jobs that I had no intention to accept if they had, if, if they gave me an offer, just because that I could get the interview experience, so that I could get more relaxed at interviews, so that becomes a more like a normal process rather than something unknown and so that I could see a good variety of questions. Um, so uh, during this process, like during this job hunt, intensive job hunt, a another hiring manager from Amazon completely different org um, uh, reached out to me. Uh, he said that he saw my uh, resume in the system and if I would be interested in a data science position in his team. And this team was doing um, inventory planning based on the demand forecasts uh, they had. And it was more like time series related models and it sounded pretty interesting. So I said, sure. And I went for the, uh, for the uh, on-site interview, this time very well prepared. And I, I think I nailed that uh, the whole interview this time, like after that so many trial and errors, uh, it went pretty well and I got an offer. And uh, I told them like, you can see I'm very pregnant. I can start right away, but would February work? And they said, that's also okay. 
Um, so uh, I they, they agreed that we I can start in February 2017 and like everything worked out pretty well for me at the end, uh, even though it was uh, super intense, uh, stressful, uh, like I, I couldn't even imagine finding a job at Amazon and it, it, it did happen though. So I joined at uh, Amazon as a data scientist first, uh, but I was more interested in resource scientists uh, or uh, applied scientist roles. You see data scientist roles is more like a jack of all trades. They uh, cover lots of ground, but not in depth. Uh, research scientists are more, again, as the name uh, suggests, more regarding doing research, uh, creating policies, etc. And applied scientists are the folks who actually write production level code, uh, deploy models, do machine learning, and that, that's the title that I was mostly interested in. So I changed uh, my team and my uh, job title after about 14 months. Uh, I moved to a team uh, called AWS Sales. And uh, after another 12 months, I changed my teams again. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you can guess which team I'm at right now, uh, but it, it's that the, the team that I mentioned at the beginning who does review reviews. I ended up there uh, eventually uh, after so many uh, years. The, high, the manager changed, but still like uh, I am there right now. So our team is called Customer Trust and Partner Support. And we deal with review reviews. Um, so what we do is we work on models and rules so that we can detect these bad actors uh, activities and we can um, eliminate those bad reviews that would uh, deceive the customer and make them regret their choice uh, in their, uh, for their shopping. Uh, it is very challenging area, but at least it, it is also super visible and it is something tangible, like, like something that I was uh, looking for. Um, so that's basically my journey. And here are, I, I also would like to give you some uh, lessons that I uh, deduced from my experiences. And I think these are pretty general that could be applied to anyone. So that I try to keep them as general as I can. So the first thing is that don't be afraid of change. Like don't, don't be afraid of changing your career paths. It's almost never too late to shift your direction. Like, like me, like I changed so many directions from math to finance down to data science. And even in the same company, this is my third team now. So like try to be flexible, keep an open mind in the, for the future. Uh, you never know what might happen. So just, just try to be flexible as much as you can. The second one is uh, if you feel like a certification or a degree is needed, go and get it. Uh, especially if it is from a respectable place uh, because it will pay, uh, pay off at the end. For example, making the decision to go to MMF or going, making the decision to do the data science program, these were hard decisions because they also have their financial uh, weights. But uh, I knew that both very respectable, had lots of job opportunities afterwards. So I decided to go for it and, and it did pay off. Um, the third one is regarding the job hunt. So during the job hunts, um, again, I, it worked out for me and I think it would work out for you is that apply as many jobs as you can even though you don't have the intention of accepting an offer. Uh, that is not only to get uh, a lot of experience uh, with interviewing, but also you never know what doesn't seem very interesting opportunity uh, could be actually something very intriguing and enticing. So like uh, uh, you need to get more information by talking to people. So uh, it, you never know. Uh, the fourth one is again for the job hunt, do lots of mock interviews with your uh, classmates and friends who are already in the industry. Uh, so that you can get familiar with interviewing process 
And also these people can give you lots of pointers uh, and feedback on how you, what, what impression you give during the interview process. They can tell you if you talk enough or um, if you use the whiteboard enough, et cetera. Like they can give you lots of feedback information and you can use those to improve, improve yourself. And at interviews, uh, it is very unlikely that you will have the answers for all the questions. Um, it, it's, it's, there will be questions that are on purpose very vague or very open-ended. Uh, open so they don't expect you to know the answer right away, but they just wanna see your thought process. Uh, so you just keep talking as, as uh, you are thinking about the problem. Uh, try to use whiteboard as much as you can. I know not in this uh, COVID environment, but when it's on site, uh, it will uh, become much more available. Uh, so just, just keep talking so that they can see your thought process in general. And the last one is, again, this is uh, valid for many fields out there. Uh, try to adapt to changes quickly by just constantly learning, uh, following what's the newest advancements, uh, just stay curious. Uh, considering how fast the world changes, how uh, fast the jobs evolve, how fast uh, technology improves, uh, they won't wait for you. So you need to be proactive and just keep yourself updated all the time. Uh, and one example, a positive example I can give you is actually MMF itself because uh, the, the, when uh, Professor Seiko reached out to me, I was looking at the courses that they're offering and like if there's any changes. And I saw that data science uh, is offered now in, in the fall semester. And I was so happy to see that. Uh, I really wish that it was offered back when I was at the program, but it wasn't on the rad radar yet. Like it, it wasn't a popular, it wasn't anywhere. Uh, I think it just was about to emerge uh, due to some recent breakthrough, uh, breakthroughs, but yeah, it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't, very visible back then, so we didn't have it. But yeah, it would be nice to have it. But uh, as you can see, MMF is adapting to the changing world. Um, so that is uh, all I what I have uh, for you today. Uh, once again, I hope that my journey gave you some perspective about potential career paths after your graduation. And uh, you could use some of the tips that I mentioned when you are looking for a job, like your job hunts uh, or interview processes. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thank you, uh, Pina, for you know, a round of applause. I can see some hands uh, coming up. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. Um, I invite uh, the audience to ask any questions if uh, they have any. Um, uh, we have one, uh, which is, um, I'm curious, did, did your job exist uh, when you came to MMF or not yet? I, let me think. Probably not. Yeah, I think again, like I, I think it was just emerging. Uh, so like using data, there were some, I think, leads like uh, topics like data mining, but that's not exactly the same. Like I think they were using more statistical methods and not as machine learning that we know today. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't think it was it was existing back then. Very good. So that uh, very good. All right. Um, any. Um, advice that you have. We have some of our current students here. You already gave me some uh, very good advice, but I'm, I'm sure some of them are thinking, wow, that was, uh, that was an interesting route. So advice, not precisely to get to Amazon, but you know, you, you've done something unusual. Um, see, and usually when you look back, looking forward, this may be normal. What you've done is like, everybody's gonna end up doing something as crazy <laughs> what you did, but um, any, any 
advice for the students who are here who may be thinking, wow, how can I do something as unusual as that? Um, again, I think just it uh, lies that everything lies down in being pretty flexible, keep an open mind, like things not might work out uh, as you expect after graduation, uh, or if you want to do something unusual, I would say go for it, like uh, uh, if it is, if you're passionate, especially like I, I wouldn't anticipate working in data science back then, like you said, because maybe the job even didn't exist. Uh, so I just tried to say, okay, like if this doesn't work out, I'll, I'll look for the next thing. I, I just kept uh, pursuing that would fit for me. And I, I'm super happy with my job right now. Like, again, it's both challenging because the bad actors evolve so fast, uh, but also uh, I, I can see the impact I'm doing. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's very highly visible by everyone. Fantastic. Tracy. Uh, I'm just inspired by, uh how you talk about your job search uh, and you know all of our students are currently uh, either just acquired their internship placements and uh, or about to and it's it's a long process how did you stay motivated during those times when you weren't getting the callbacks or you would interview and interview and interview and you would come this close and then they would pick someone else right so how did yeah. you stay motivated during those times? It is hard. Uh, it, it is uh, like job hunts usually are again, like so stressful usually uh, because you go in and out so many of them. And I think what helped me again is applying so many things. And I just, it was a like a normal part of my life uh, at that point, just going into an interview or, oh, I have a phone interview today. And it was just happened. Like I wasn't stressing about it at some point as much. And I knew that like one of them will happen eventually one way or the other. I, I just kept uh, trying uh, and I could see my progress as well. Like uh, at the beginning, I wasn't able to answer anything. And over time as, as uh, more interviews I went in, I was able to build my confidence and I was able to answer more. I was like, I, I have my lucky uh, interview for sure at some point, like going through so many interviews. That's great. Thank you so much. Yes, there's a question uh, from Will Zhao. Um, how has the job market and industry practice changed for the financial engineers since your graduation? Which direction do you think the industry is moving now and in the near future? Uh, that's a good question. The thing is, uh, since I changed my career from finance to to machine learning, I haven't following the advancements in finance as much. Uh, but uh, again, my husband uh, worked for a hedge fund uh, company for two years. Uh, so just, I know exactly. So I, I moved more. It's yeah. still it was he was still doing machine learning, but at a hedge fund company. And I know that from him, as far as I could uh, follow, is that uh, I think. Uh, again, data science, machine learning, they're coming very important in finance too, because uh, rules like heuristics, they don't scale up very well. Like you need to, very quick uh, machines that can find these patterns uh, so that you can keep up with the market. So I, I know that many companies are leaning in towards uh, machine learning quite a bit. I started seeing job opportunities, for example, Toronto, many financial institutions, uh, big banks are looking for people in data science, for example. So I, I think they are starting to see the importance of it. So that's that's one of the changes that I'm seeing. Thank you. Any other question, Michael? 
a, qu a question about the uh, the corporate culture at Amazon versus uh, like a dedicated uh, financial institution. How do you find it there? And did it um, did it uh, go against your expectations in any way, or uh, like how did you find uh, things? Um, well, few differences, I guess, is uh, one of them is it's much more laid back at tech companies uh, than compared to the financial institutions uh, like the Vernke environment. When I compare Manulife versus Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, it feels uh, much more laid back and like they don't care much if you work from home or you, if you don't work exact hours like nine to six, as long as you keep doing your job. Like that's the only thing they are looking for. For example, we started working from homes and at the beginning, I think they were a bit anxious if things would work out, uh, but yeah, everybody's doing perfect, like great. Uh, there are some burnouts for sure for people, but uh, otherwise people are doing still their job. And I'm not sure how would that be if I was still at Life. I don't know what they are doing, if it's working nicely or if the company has any worries about that, like any concerns. So I, I think that the laid backness is quite different between the two companies. Otherwise, Amazon is uh, pretty big. Uh, so big companies also come with like, if you want to move something like a move, uh, uh, move something, then it's like lots of effort uh, with, when you compare to a smaller company. So like uh, if it is a startup, things work very fast. Uh, you need to keep up, you need to get investments, etc. But yeah, like once you are established very big company, then uh, it takes a lot of time to make uh, big impact like you, you just the impact has already been there like by other people that has done work and you're just trying to make in incremental changes to it so that's that's the difference I'm seeing. I have another question um, how do you do to keep up to date with so many new technologies showing up every day do you study by yourself or are you attending any new courses? Uh, I do a combination of both uh, I I've taken courses, for example, in uh, natural language processing uh, because I'm very interested in that area. Uh, so I attended an online course given by Stanford, for example. I also try to uh, read related um, uh, related papers uh, that uh, could be useful in my day-to-day -day work, or I try to collaborate with other teams, try to learn what they are doing. So if there's anything I can learn from them. So it, it's, a, it's a combination of many things for sure. Very good. Any other questions from anybody? Yes, Rogelio. Have you find any relationship between the financial models with the data science models you use now? Uh, not really. So like back then, when I was at the program, we, the, there were lots of forecasting involved. I, I, that's what I remember, uh, like volatility or uh, forecasting of different uh, uh, like uh, weather and things like those. I, I forgot the name of the course right now, but it has been a while. Uh, but yeah, it was mostly uh, predict, uh, pre um, predicting time series uh, as far as I could see. But yeah, machine learning now is like way beyond that. Uh, like there is uh, so many problems that you can see some supervised, some unsupervised some trying to get a number, some trying to get a classification. So it's, it's very wide. Um, if that answers your question, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, you answered it, thank you. Yeah, of course. Fantastic. Uh, 
uh, a question from Zoe. I'm a little curious about how is the daily job as a data scientist at Amazon? Uh, sure, yeah, I, I can't share too much detail. I guess uh, I need to contact the uh, legal first. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, uh, so I'm an applied scientist and I, as I mentioned, it's more involves writing code uh, and doing research and uh, making uh, models and deploying them. Uh, so right now I sit in a data science team and I work closely with the engineering team, for example, so that we can create our infrastructure so we can deploy models faster, uh, we can validate models uh, easier. So I'm, I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm in a sort of a unique role where I'm bridging the engineering team to our team so that because the engineering team doesn't know what the scientists are doing, like they don't have much insight and the scientists don't know what engineers are, are doing. So I, I'm trying to bridge that gap by uh, joining also their standups and um, understanding their processes and trying to communicate our needs uh, so that we can work faster together. It, it sounds like you're going to need great communication skills to do that kind of bridging. Can you talk about working in a second language and, uh, and you know, just managing to communicate well when you're in the workplace? Uh, sure. Uh, I don't think I, uh, yeah, again, having uh, English as a second language is a barrier for sure. Uh, sometimes I, I can catch myself making grammatical errors. I was like, uh, but I try not to uh, um, get bothered by it so much. Uh, but yeah, like I try to keep the communication open, uh, just like uh, if it is over our messaging system or emails or over the, uh, when we are having a, a meeting, I try to be vocal about the concerns I have uh, before things go out of hand. Uh, for example, they suggest something, I was like, oh, that's not gonna work for us. I, I try to make these um, uh, clear at the beginning. I also talked to my manager quite a bit regarding what I did for that week and the the concerns I'm having and I get feedback from him, like you should point this out and then I go do that. So I also get have a good support system in that sense. That's great. I think a lot of people are afraid to speak up when they're at work. Uh, and so I, your, your example is just showing us that if you do, it can turn out well. Yeah, the thing is I am a sort of introvert person. I'm usually pretty shy, especially in a uh, new uh, uh, environment. Uh, but yeah, at work, uh, that's, uh, you have to deal with that. Like it's otherwise uh, things will happen and you, you won't talk and then you'll be saying, no, I should have some, said something. And that happens. So now I'm, I think I'm learning from my lessons. So I'm trying to be proactive about it. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank Imagine you. being selected to do an MMF global talk. Obviously <laughs> you've gotten over that. A <laughs> uh, question from uh, Tina. Uh, in which experience, academic or on the job, would you say you learned the most fundamental coding techniques used in your current role? Um, let's see, I, during my academic uh, career, I didn't use much coding at all. Uh, I took some uh, coding classes back in my bachelor's degree, but that was about it. It was Java and MATLAB. And then I, when I started my the MMF program, then I started using MATLAB a bit, and then I used, used it quite a bit at, the, at, the, at my job at Middle Life. Uh, so I, I just got to practice it a bit more. Uh, but then when I had to change my career plans again, uh, and I knew that Python was very important for machine learning, like they, they have great libraries. So I started doing, like I, there are tons of online um, 
resources that you can find and they, they have great practices. So I started learning Python myself and then it came, became very handy when I started the data science program because it was all Python. Uh, so I, I had a, the sort of a leg in the door or a step in the door uh, so that I, I had a, a good start there. And then now I, I'm yeah like almost daily coding. <laughs> That's great. So I, any other questions? I think we're. I have a, sure. I have a question. Yeah, Jing, so go ahead. Working as a data scientist, what do you think is the main differences to, like working in a financial company compared to like working in a tech company, like Amazon? I mean, so it, what are the main differences? So uh, fundamental differences versus uh, like tech company versus uh, a financial institution. Yeah, I mean working as a data scientist. As a data scientist, um, you mean data scientist in both companies? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that I can't. Uh, I don't have an exact answer because I don't know anybody that does data science at a financial uh, company. Uh, if I did, I I could have talked a bit more. My husband's job was at a hedge fund, but uh, it was more, again, natural language processing. Uh, I think they were looking at news and doing some deductions from those. So it wasn't exactly finance, like math related, uh, more, more uh, language related uh, um, uh, problems. But uh, being a hedge fund, uh, I know that uh, it's it's a can be very cutthroat place uh, at times. Like people can be fired very easily. Not his team. Like machine learning scientists are pretty fundamental. But uh, I know that uh, he kept hearing people being uh, leaving the company or getting fired or whatever. So I know that it, he was a bit stressed. So that that could be one of the differences depending on the company and and the team you are working on. Okay, thank you. Sorry, it was a super honest uh, answer, but uh, that's, that's, uh, that's my only one anecdotal uh, example. Honest answers are always best. <laughs> so, um, Pinar, I think I speak for everybody. Uh, this was very inspiring, and uh, we're very grateful that you took the time to talk to us today and tell us the story of your career. I'm uh, super happy that uh, you're doing something that is very interesting that you like. You ended up in a very interesting organization. And um, thanks for staying in touch uh, with us, with MMF. So, yeah, th thanks a lot for giving me this opportunity. It was fun. Okay, so uh, thank you. And thank you everybody for attending. Uh, it was uh, fantastic as I expected. Thank you again, a round of applause, a round of virtual applause <laughs> to you. And uh, we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank, thank you everybody. Everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the MMF Global Podcast presented by the Master of Mathematical Finance program at the University of Toronto. To be informed of upcoming MMF Global events, subscribe to our mailing list at global.mmf.utoronto.ca and follow MMF U of T on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.